1: new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc
0: what is up everybody welcome to the stack i'm alex
2: I'm Justin.
0: <laughs> I'm Pete, and on the stack we talk about a bunch of books that come out this week, but not Headlopper. Never, yeah, what the fuck, head man? Never, ever.
3: You're just, you just are are done
0: the heads, with Headlopper. They barely lop any heads anymore in that book. No heads oh, man. It
2: it should be head, not per, because they're not lopping anything off. It's a very
0: good book. We're just not talking about it in the stack. Instead, we're going to kick things off talking about Ultra Mega Number One from Image Comics by yes. James Herron. I I think you actually said it best on the live show, Justin. So I don't know if you want to just take it from here, but I think you totally nailed my thoughts on this book.
2: Uh, yeah. Oh. And so this book is um, it's a take on uh, kaiju, sort of a dark take. I've never been a kaiju guy um, in, in really? comic book form. Just in the the comics, I feel like a lot of them are sort of similar to what we've seen before. And this book is such a dark take on it. You're in this this character's head. It's just such a fresh version of uh, this type of book. I loved every bit of the story and so many surprising moments. And especially where it lands by the end. This was definitely the most – caught me off guard and was the most surprising and exciting book
3: uh, of the week for me. Wow. Pete, yeah, what about I, you? I loved it. The art's unbelievable. This is a real epic book. Unbelievable battle, super gross. Uh, yeah, the storyline is really creative and different. It's just, it's dark in all the right places, creepy and like gross looking in all the right places, and huge and intense in others. And uh, I, it's just really, really well done. It's also the
2: rare book – sorry, before you get there, uh, Alex, one last thing. It's also the rare book that like goes hard. It doesn't just like set up the premise and then sit in it and be like tune in next week kind of a thing. It goes hard at the ideas and really pushes it.
0: The basic premise of the thing – and this gives away the first couple of pages, which I think are surprising and exciting in and of themselves as they slowly spool out the story. But I'll I'll do this just to tease people about it and then not talk about what happens – Probably in the last two thirds of the book. But the general idea is this weird eye creature, space being, gives three people powers to turn into giant beings, kind of called, at least one of them is called Ultra Mega. And they are able to identify a kaiju virus that has embedded itself in people, but the catch is when they approach those people, when they see it, it activates that virus, and they turn into these giant kaiju, and then they need to fight them. And it's kind of what the world deals with after that. But as Justin was mentioning, it spins in these crazy, crazy dark directions that are so good. Art-wise as well, Pete, I don't know if you're going to take exception to this, but this reminded me in a really pleasant way of Daniel Warren Johnson. And his work, Uh, just because all of the action, I think this was the thing as well that really shocked me about this book, because I'm also not a huge Kaiju fan most of the time, is how clear and unique the action felt across the board, how well it was staged. Great. And it just builds, too, over the course of the book. Like, it starts with these big fights, and they only get huger by the end. It's amazing. Yeah, it
3: really, really is impressive. I yeah. guess I'm the only guy who likes Skyju. But uh, that being said, I just I agree with Justin with the way that it moves. It's it's uh, this book. It feels like they really sat on this book a little bit before releasing it and went over it again and again and tightened and made all these different things. Like because the way it uh, it's just a powerhouse uh, from start to finish. And the creator talks about this
0: a little bit at the end. We should also mention it's an oversized book. I might have the page count off, but it's at least 60 pages
2: or so. Yep, 62 pages of comic action. Yeah, and he talks about this at the end where
0: he says, I know normally it felt like you should be doing 20-ish pages of a book, but there's so much more he wanted to say in this first issue that he just jammed it all in there and worked on it, and it's totally worth it. This is an incredible book. Definitely pick it up. Easily the pick of the week, but lots of other good things in the stack. So keep listening to our podcast because
2: here we go. Because we got a banger. Just because we got a banger. Well, Come, you am going know, when you're listening to, to, to an go an to the comic
3: book shop. Uh, no, I mean, that's how I would listen to it. I would just be like, well, all right. Looks like this is the one they recommend. That's all I need to hear. I'm going to go to the shop. Well, so stay Pete, tuned you were-
0: for our even more pick of the week that we're going to have oh, by the nice.
3: End. Way to no. sell it up, P.T. Barnum.
2: <laughs> Pete, when you listen to <laughs> albums back in the day where you're like, oh, great song. Smash. (laughs) I'm done with this shit. That's all right. You're like, Pearl Jam 10? Oh, Pearl Jam 1. Throw the rest away. I don't care about the rest of these songs.
0: Black Knight, Curse of the Ebony Blade, number one from Marvel by Cy Spurrier and Sergio De Villa. We read the Black Knight, King Black one-shot, enjoyed that, but I think our general impression was it felt like, ah, this is really just setting up a Black Knight series Surprise, it was, in fact, setting up a Black Knight series. And what you get here is also a very dark take on a classic Marvel character. Justin, you're a fan of the Black Knight. How'd you feel about this one?
2: I love the Black Knight, and this is another great book. Like, I, they do a great job in this book of specifically setting up uh, Black Knight as sort of the dark side of a Thor. Um, There's a lot of uh, the Black Knight, famously an Avenger, sort of a mid-tier avenger who uh didn't wasn't a super big hero but was around a lot um in different eras of the avengers and in this he feels that he's like I wish I had friends I wish I could hang uh-huh. out with the avengers like it's it's sad um,
3: yeah it's got to be tough you're so close yet so far away
2: yeah well he's he's clo- he was in he's in the avengers but well, that's what I just, mean but uh, he won't
3: they won't hang out with them
2: yeah um it's a bummer they only call him for the real fucked up missions <laughs> yeah um but uh, but in in this – there's a great moment in here where um, Thor can't pick up Black Knight's yeah. sword, the cursed ebony blade, because he's too pure. And he's like, you have to have a darkness. It it has to feel your shadow, um, which I thought was just a great comparison as Thor is just um, throwing his worthy hammer in the air. And then you have this blade that is too dark for anyone to pick up but our guy Dane.
3: Which is surprising because you would think with dar- uh, Thor's drinking, he would have a little bit of a dark side. But apparently not. I yeah, guess he's not. just a
2: – he 's a social drinker
3: but it's a, it's a, it is interesting the way the conflict that he has and uh, and the way that he has to use kind of the darkness inside of him it 's not the goodness that uh, he uses to fight it 's the dark side it 's kind of like the anger, so like i very much related to that, and it was very cool, like this moment of him trying to deal with his emotions and talk things out. Uh, you know, in a way that he can be okay with who he is and how he battles and stuff like that. I thought it was very interesting and cool. I like
0: this book quite a bit, too. Let's move on and talk about Orphan and the Five Beasts, number one from Dark Horse Comics by James Stokoe. This is uh, Pete. I don't know why you need your head lopper when you got your Orphan and the Five Beasts. I mean, come on, you got an angry fighter, you got a bunch of lopping going on. That's gotta this satisfy is, you. This is right this, over the
2: peat plate, right here.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was great. Don't get me wrong, this was a lot of fun. The thigh master, or whatever, was really fucking badass. The the just kind of the cloak dude who is just like uh, really great at fighting. I, I very very much enjoyed this book. And so.
0: just to be clear, we like Head Lopper. I'll stop pretending that I'm slamming it over the rest of the podcast. Lo-
3: love headlopper,
0: But this is exactly what you wanted out of a James Stokoe. Not, uh, I'm trying to think how to describe it, but just like quest to kill five increasingly probably deadly villains who have killed this Ronin's master sort of story. You kind of know what you're in for, but it's the regular requisite
3: James Stokoe insane art. Um, this is very fun. It's very enjoyable uh, and it looks great. Yeah. I also really like the kind of setup. Sometimes we get a setup of like, I have to avenge because of this or whatever. And it's, uh, sometimes interesting, but sometimes kind of typical. This is a very kind of cool uh, story to kind of set up, like, how this is all going to go down. Like, this whole, like, you make a promise to, okay, I'll give you this power, but then you got to come back and learn the right way to use it. And, like, uh, you know, I thought it was a very cool setup for premise and for all this unbelievable fighting and action.
2: This feels like it's uh, at the intersection of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the classic Usagi Ojimbo, and, uh-huh. and Ballsy, Dragon Ballsy. Oh, wow. And that's that intersection is actually where Pete lives. If you're ever looking <laughs> to send some <laughs> mail to Pete, that's the address. Yeah, I, I definitely get my mail there. There's no question.
0: Let's move on and talk about Catwoman number 29 from DC Comics, written by Ram V, art by Fernando Blanco. In this issue, Catwoman is running shit downtown, but there's some... Uh, different forces who are closing in on her at the same time. Uh, A couple of things that I'll throw out to you guys right at the top here. First of all, this, I sort of felt this last week, but I felt this even more this week. I am really appreciating future state even more based on the fact that DC set up these art teams kind of gave them two months to play around and figure things out, and then put them on the permanent titles. And that pays off here with a really good, beautifully drawn story. I haven't read Catwoman in a really long time, but I like this quite a bit. On the flip side of things, I am wondering, and I know there have been blowback, should they have renumbered these to number one?
3: Wow. Jesus Christ. I mean,
2: I'm surprised they did, to be honest. But I do think coming out of Future State, which was all number ones and twos, I get why they just kept it going, Um, and I I appreciate that a little bit more um, because I think Future State was sort of the bait to get you to sign on to these books um, with these great new creative teams, and I want to say I feel like Ram V is having a moment.
3: Yeah, Ram V. Uh, I agree. I, I really like this book. Uh, I like how the villain is uh, kind of similar to Ghost in the Ant Man movie. Um, I I also love this kind of strung out Riddler a little bit who's hooked on that Ivy. You know what I mean? Like uh, very interesting take. There's a lot going on in this book, which I appreciate. This is a very cool uh, Catwoman book. Uh, the art's fantastic. I particularly yeah, like Art's playing
0: great. in this villain side of the world. Catwoman always always straddles this weird line, particularly now that she's canonically with Batman, has fallen more on the side of the heroes. But you do have all these characters in Gotham that have been on both sides. You have Poison Ivy, you have Harley Quinn, you have Catwoman, you have Riddler. All of these ones that are like, eh, they're bad, but are they really that bad? But to throw those into a book together as a cast and throw them against... Even worse villains, I think, is a great place for Catwoman to be as a character. Yeah,
2: I, feel, I feel like the move there is to make them sort of selfish heroes as opposed to villains. They're like heroes who do what they want as opposed to just always saving the day, which I think is, makes for a more interesting story. I agree. Moving on, Radiant Black, number two from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins, art by
0: Marcelo Costa. We love the first issue here. It was about a guy that discovers a weird black hole over a train track, gets some powers, felt very much like Invincible, even though it's a different story and it's a different character and had a lot of the sense of that. That, in my mind, continues with the second issue, which finds him having breakfast with his dad multiple times, meeting up with another person with similar powers and fighting them. Uh, Great. I I had a good time reading this book again, and I'm very into it after two issues.
3: I I would like to point out, though, uh, kids out there, if you see a floating black hole, uh, you shouldn't go towards it and try to grab it. Okay, that's a a bad idea. We don't want to encourage that kind of stuff. And that's a PSA we've done uh, for years. We've put that
2: out there on public radio, Mm -hmm. and um, we're the big... Don't touch the black hole, guys. <laughs> <No.
0: laughs>
2: what did you think about this book, Justin? Uh, nice. Great question, Alex. Um, I like the second issue um, a lot. I thought I I was, like, fine with it in the first issue, and I think this second issue has made me like it more, where we get into the character a little bit. It does feel like Invincible a lot. Um, yeah. Without sort of the epic, um, like, worldwide storytelling, this is very much about this kid who wants to be a writer and – Failed and has to go back home and he's using his uh, under under the radar or his like, I need to figure out my life, quote unquote, superpowers of being like an Uber driver to aid in his uh heroics. And I think that's
3: cool. Yeah, I think this is not only like stylistically very cool and I like the outfits and like. How how the kind of when they're suited up, how that all looks looks really looks amazing. But I also like the person inside the suit and the struggles with what's going on. And yeah, like you don't want to deal with your parents like sure. You got to talk to them around mealtime, but otherwise parents fuck off. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I got shit to do. So like I appreciated the check in stuff. I mean, uh, but I'm very interested to see like now that uh, he has a plan like how this is all going to go think it should be interesting to follow.
0: Next up, The Amazing Spider-Man, King and Black, number one from Marvel, written by Jen McKay, and art by Michelle Bendini. In this, we're getting two stories. The first one has Spider-Man feeling super guilty, as I think, frankly, yes. he should, about everything that's happening in King and Black, teaming up with Reptile, who is one of the characters from... Avengers Academy, and then Avengers Arena, I believe, as well. And then the backup story shows us what's happening from Reptiles' perspective and kicks off a new Reptile
3: series that is coming later in the year, which is pretty surprising. And you, and you got yeah. the Kirky on the art there in the backup story. The Kirky? Yeah, Albuquerque. Oh, was that Raphael Albuquerque? you goddamn right it is. Is it? Are you sure about that? That's what I'm fucking looking at right here. That's what it says. All right. Says it backup pizza. story, Alberto Albuquerque. Alberto Albuquerque. That's not Rafael right. Albuquerque. You're right. It's a different, but it's still it's a different. <laughs> it's a different. <laughs>
0: well, thank you for giving your credit. Regardless, I appreciate that.
3: Yeah. Um, classic, <laughs> classic. But let me just ask you something. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's about time you yeah. uh, asked. Through a question. Nick Spencer is completely off this book now. This is not no, this Amazing Spider Man.
2: This is a King
0: in Black one shot. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> what emotions are you going through right now, Justin? Wow, can you was... talk about this book? Because
3: pizza. I, I, I was just hoping God that you, this was... you are all over this... the place right now. <laughs> I was just hoping that this was the start of something fresh and new that we could move P on. Pete came from. with
2: such joy. He's like I got the Kerky, I got a, I got Jed McKay instead of Nick Spencer, and Alex just devastated. Yeah, <laughs> just, just like absolutely one
3: me. two punched it. Yeah, yeah, that was like combo I wasn't ready for. I did. And really- I get, Let
2: me let me just say also. Let's keep in mind that this. Our podcast is the main news source for Pete LePage. He doesn't get his news anywhere else about anything. Not just comics, but truly every bit of news he gets is right here.
0: That's right. Every morning right. he opens up the
3: Stack podcast and he's like, uh, what's happening to the world today? Uh, but the comic itself, uh, very touching, kind of a classic Spider-Man story, very moving, uh, very personal. I really enjoyed all of it. I thought this was a great kind of little guy versus, you know, big monsters. I thought this was very, such a great Spider-Man story. And I think that this is, for me, like one of the, I feel like this is a great example of why Spider-Man is great.
2: I like this book a lot as well. I'm a big Jed McKay fan, the writer of this. Um, he writes um, the Black Brother Cat of book. Adam McKay, right? That's not accurate. Again, okay. not accurate. Just, Just back guessing back. about stuff. Not working right now. Uh, uh, Jed McKay's Black Cat book, I've been a huge fan of. So it was great to see him, um, taking on this Spider Man book. And I, I agree, like, starting with Spider Man feeling guilty about bringing the Venom suit back, like, we've all felt bad when we brought, like, a suit back from somewhere and it mm-hmm. ended up devastating the world, <laughs> yeah. whether it's with moths or just starting a fashion trend that, uh, <laughs> that caused problems. Yes. Uh, um, just
0: to say In order Justin Pete, go ahead.
2: Great. <laughs> uh, Reptile as a character got a lot of love in this issue. I did not see that coming. And leading up to a Reptile number one, okay, let's give it a try. It's fun. He could turn into dinosaurs. That's pretty cool. I like this
0: issue quite a bit as well. Let's move on to another big surprise, though, in retrospect, given the team it shouldn't necessarily have been. Nightwing 78 from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, (laughs) art by Bruno Redondo. I'll... I'll tell you straight up when I read this book, I was like, ah, oh, another Nightwing book. Here we go. First couple of pages, I was like, holy shit, this is great. Why is this so good? Yeah. And then we got to the credits and I realized, oh, that's why it's so good. This team is great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so this kills. is uh, Nightwing is back in the costume. He doesn't have the memory loss, which he pokes fun of a little bit in the middle of this issue, which is very fun. But he is uh, back in Bloodhaven dealing with all that entails. Barbara Gordon comes to visit him. This is a big spoiler for the issue, but I'll mention this because I'm sure Pete wants to talk about this in particular. I but do. a major feature of the issue is Alfred turns out Hold to on. have been a billionaire. And leaves all of his
3: money to Nightwing. Pete, how did you feel about this? This was the, the letter was so touching and so moving. I really loved it. I, um, yeah. And the fact, how heartbreaking is it that Alfred wrote him a letter every year because of the, you know, the business that they're in and how crazy their life is. I, I was just so moved. I really, I thought it was such a touching letter, um, yeah, this was one one of my favorite issues for the week. I I love the humor of it. I love the fun bit about having Dick for a name. Um the the dad bit, uh the Alfred with the dishes moments there. I I got choked up for that. And then the whole fucking John Wick of it all. Like, you don't fuck with dogs, man. Don't fuck with somebody's dog. That's just disgusting as Nightwing put it. And uh yeah, it's just really Uh, just blockbuster fun. Uh, yeah, I was just, oh, is that a joke
0: on the fact that blockbuster, the character appears in here? Yes.
3: Pete? Yeah. Yeah.
2: He'll say yes. Now that you said it, um, (laughs) Alfred, the
3: buttling billionaire. Who
1: thought,
2: who would have thought this guy just was a butt buttling for the fun of it. The love of the game. When the
3: Waynes died, you know, they must've been like, here's a shit ton of money to raise our, you know, like. Just in case, and he was you know?
0: stealing it. He was stealing yeah, he it from Bruce that money. Wayne every year, squirreling he, away what, a
2: little bit of Bruce Wayne's money. Here's what he's doing: he's telling the Waynes that he's buying these expensive English cucumbers, and he's buying some <laughs> some shitty fell off the back of a truck cucumbers, and pocketing the difference Listen, for the, I'm the, not cu- gonna, the cucumber I'm sandwiches. Not sit
3: here and let you fucking def- <laughs> Alfred is nothing but an angel. All right, that uh, house of insanity, and he's the only sane one. All right, I'll so tell you don't what, fucking I think talk Justin, shit about Alfred. Justin's making a little bit of sense here because that
0: might explain why Batman never eats any of the soup that he gives gets, exactly. because it tastes like shit.
2: It's also trash soup because so. he's not buying the high end stuff. He's buying like the he's not buying the Progresso. Don't he's buying like, huh? Yeah, he's like, don't you fucking, fucking say Robin
0: that I microwaved or whatever. Ram is delicious. And Bruce is like, uh, oh, this is bad. <laughs> Ramen's <is> delicious. <laughs> I don't, I don't like this.
2: Wait, Pete, are you telling me you're like Alfred cooks the best food? Yeah, you know that for a fact. <laughs> fact. Alfred, he only made little sandwiches and soups. That's not like he was bringing out like a dinner.
3: You don't Mate. know what he was doing when we weren't looking. What do you think he his doing-
0: worst dish was? <laughs> 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 the thing when all the bad family came over, they're like, oh, he's making his lasagna. <laughs> wow. mm-hmm. That's bad
2: <laughs> Master Bruce <I> <laughs> <laughs> Master Bruce, I've prepared your favorite French toast Oh, Alfred's French toast oh, Yo, no, he's s-
3: dead, you fuckers Where's your sure. respect? It's just too it's eggy
2: It's too, too eggy, it's there's no too much cinnamon egg. in it Put a spice in it for God's <laughs> sakes. Plus, maple made- syrup he buys? He doesn't even buy the good maple syrup. He buys the <laughs> shitty stuff. You don't know that.
0: It's don't just, say it's that. It's not even maple. It's not from Vermont. It's not B-grade.
3: Do- oh, don't you fucking... Just super...
2: It's log cabin. <laughs> Guy's go in log cabin <laughs> syrup. Pocketing the difference. I he's pocketing the difference. It doesn't have to it be from Vermont to meal. be good. <laughs> and then he's given this difference. He gave it to Nightwing in this issue. And that's continuity right there. That's the truth. <laughs>
3: I don't want to downsize just to get back to I hate talking comics with you guys. (laughs) It's the fucking worst. That's crazy, because you do it a lot. (laughs) All you do is just fucking kill my dreams and hopes. You take everything that I like in an issue and just just do bits until it's not fun anymore. (laughs) You've killed Foggy Nelson for me. And you can't fucking leave Alfred alone. The fucking guy just died, and I still can't get any enjoyment out of him.
2: What do you think Foggy's worst dishes? No, 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 no. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> hey Matt, I, I made dinner tonight. It's a bunch of old gum. <laughs>
3: he's so just doing the old man laugh, where he's going. <laughs> That's That's how, That's I how I laugh.
2: So um, I
0: laugh. Please
3: leave me alone.
2: I love Nightwing. I love this issue. Tom Taylor is also on a great run of books. Yes. Um, it's great to see Nightwing get back to some of the old stuff, being in Bloodhaven, sort of carving out his own area away from Gotham. Um, great uh, use of
3: Blockbuster.
2: Great use of Blockbuster. Barbara's in this issue, um, touching on his relationship with Alfred, which I do think, despite what I said about how just god-awful his lasagna was, Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> he, he de- did have a great connection with Alfred, and I love seeing that here on display. What's he going to do with that money? Just buy, like, some cool spandex? I don't know. Blow it on spandex? Uh,
0: I do want to shout out also Bruno Redondo's art. There is a gorgeous, gorgeous two-page spread that happens earlier in the issue where Nightwing is jumping off a roof, and it's the classic Batman jumping in front of the moon thing, but it's him jumping in front of the sun. And I thought it was just such a smart, awesome thing to do to delineate Nightwing from Batman. Loved it. Let's move on to a book that I'm betting Pete liked as well. Orcs number two from Kaboom by Christine Larson. This is a bunch of orcs doing fun orc stuff. Pete, how did you feel about this one?
3: Yeah, we loved uh, the first issue of this. Uh, I I like this kind of like this team up if you will of uh of characters i also love the uh, the love of story in this you know people will risk a lot for a great story i can appreciate that the torture i go through so i can read comics is real <laughs> I, I i thought this was fun i also love the dedication that the person uh wears an eye patch and has two eyes just for the love of the game that was really fun I think the art and storytelling is great. I love the mix of cute and gruesome things. Uh, I like what there's. is going. This is uh, this is exciting.
2: Yeah, the story within the story stuff is really fun. This reminded me of this is a hyper specific reference, but um, in the movie Willow, you know oh, uh, <laughs> the all the the Jesus, the, the, the brownies, fucking... the little people that mm-hmm. ride along. Yeah, that's yeah. what this book reminds me of. Really, the orcs are sort of like a version of those guys. Uh.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I think it's a fun book. People should definitely check it out. Next up, The Trials of Ultraman, number one, from Marvel, written by, again, Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom. yay! <laughs> Art Higgy. by Francesco Mana, Eduardo Ferragato, and Guri Hyru. We checked out the first issue of this book and haven't checked in in a while obviously this is a new story of ultraman it was interesting reading this in the same week as another kyle higgins book and another yeah. kaiju book how do you think it's yeah. stacked up in comparison
2: i wish i would read this one first before i read ultramega because ultramega felt so genre breaking that this felt very like within the genre um, and if you're a fan of kaiju books, I think this is a great version of that. And it's setting up a lot of interesting twists and turns on it and, uh, a potential new, uh, villain that I, uh, was surprised. I thought it was the backup story. I thought it was an advertisement for another book. And then it tied right into, to this book. Um, so yeah, I, I like this. Um, but it definitely feels like a, just a fun new version of a kaiju book.
3: Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, This was kind of a comparison, regardless of what is better or whatever. I thought this was a cool take. It felt different enough where I wasn't like, oh, this is kind of too similar. I enjoyed where this was coming from and the perspective. I also like the start of this book. Um, yeah, I, I like what this is setting up. It's not as long as the other one. It's a little bit shorter, but they do a good job of like keeping it simple, teasing the story, putting all the things in place. I, I've followed it. Well, I understood what was going on. thought it was great art and storytelling. I think this is good.
0: My favorite part of this book is still the insert pages. I think these are the ones that Guri Hairu is drawing where it's instruction manuals for what to do for the Kaiju organization or if a Kaiju attacks, they're super fun. They're super cute. I like that quite a bit, and it really breaks the up the Kaiju Steps. Kaiju Steps. There you go. Yeah. I enjoy that those works. quite a bit. Uh, agree with you guys. Otherwise, next up, Justice League, number 59 from DC Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis and Ram V, art by David Marquez Ram and Zermonico. So the front story is Brian Michael Bendis on Justice League for the first time. Backup story is Ram V doing Justice
3: League Dark. What would you guys think? I thought it was a fun issue, uh, you know. It's kind of a setup issue, uh, but really love the story and the art. And uh, you know, Green Arrow wants wants more out of life. You know,
2: uh, it's interesting what the take here. This feels like a Black Adam book um, in a lot of ways, and reintroducing um, one of Bendis's characters right at the end. Naomi, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That got me a little bit like, this feels like a, a very Bendis move where I want, I don't know what the story is going to be about. It feels like it's like him being like, here's some stuff I think is cool. And I want it to be a little bit more of like, here's an idea that I'm excited to create for this, these characters. Um, I thought this is a, the art's really beautiful in the front story. Um, good Aquaman issue, if you're uh, an Aqua fan. Um, but yeah. I I don't know what the direction here is. It feels like it's almost like you like the Justice League. Well, here's a totally different um, bunch of people who are going to operate like the Justice League. Uh, the Justice League Dark Backup by Ram V I thought was great. Spin this off and make it a book.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I agree, I really like the backup that was dark and weird and interesting in a very different way than James Tynan did the book, so uh, which I loved, but it was interesting to see this change and this more mythical take on the characters yeah. for the front story. like this better than the Legion of Superheroes. I thought that was very messy. there were too many characters going on it 's surprising the Justice League feels like it has less characters and is more focused, so that 's a little ridiculous but the characterizations are good and fine. Uh, I don't know. Uh, like you said, it's there's a lot of Bendis-isms in the book, and I would like to see what he does going forward. But it felt a little derivative down to basically doing the New Avengers cover on the cover here, but with the yeah. Justice League. And if he's going to do that, New Avengers felt different because it was Bendis coming in and doing his Bendis thing on Avengers for the first time. You don't necessarily get this here. I want him to do something bolder and more exciting.
2: Yeah. If you want to do the new Avengers for Justice League, give us that hit, give us that swing and have all these new characters introduced and have it be that. Because I still, that's still a story that like sticks right in the memory because it was so, such a big new change for the Avengers. Instead, it feels like sort of a middle ground here.
0: I agree. Last one to talk about Snow Angels, number two from Comixology, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Jock. We like the first issue of this one, I believe, quite a bit. Takes place in a post-apocalyptic world where everybody lives in a snow-filled trench. A family, a father and two daughters is being chased by a guy named the Snowman. That picks up this issue. Pete, you've always been scared of snowmen. What did you think of this one?
3: Yeah, I mean, they're, what's great is snowmen themselves are scary, but this is a nice heightening of that idea. Um Yeah, I think this is a great, first off, an amazing team, and this is very action-oriented, which I very much enjoy, and this does a great job, like, each issue kind of leaving you, like, really wanting more. Um I think this is a very intense kind of, like, uh, Reminds me of that horror movie uh, where nobody can talk or whatever. So I think this is really fun, very creative. Love the way it ended. Love the art. A Quiet Place? Is that what you're thinking Yeah, a Quiet of? Place. Okay. That's what oh, I, I thought
2: we have to talk about Kevin. <laughs> is that what it is?
3: No, it's A Quiet Place. Hmm.
2: Nice. Either way. Uh, this uh, book, everyone's skating really hard in this book. You gotta a skate hard, bro. You gotta skate hard. Um, so that was stressful, great pace to this book. And a lot of just like, uh, oh, tense, a lot of tension. Um, and I think a quiet place is a good comparison. I think I would compare it to the mighty ducks, which is a movie with skating in it. Wow. Wow. That's true. That's true. And uh, Pete, I know you love this A cutting. It's sort of a cutting edge, um, with less romance.
0: Tell pick. (laughs) This is a great book. Definitely pick it up. You have another point you want to make, Pete. What's up?
3: yeah I just wanted to uh, while you're wrapping up uh, while I was waiting for a head to come through I did read uh, Superman Red and Blue uh, number one and uh, I just wanted to say uh, really fun love the coloring really amazing art the boy you saved Superman uh, story with, by Wes, uh, Wes Craig and Jill Thompson uh, so amazing the art was unbelievable it was watercolors and the little Clark Kent stuff was very very adorable I love how you act like, well, I have no say in what happens in this show.
2: <laughs> and then you secretly just review stuff at the end. Yeah. Um, it's nice. Uh, you, take, you take control in a way that I just would never be so audacious.
1: Well, uh, But well,
2: I, I would like to review um, uh, my dinner that I made earlier. It was, what, <laughs> uh, Taco Night, obviously.
3: It couldn't have been better than what Alfred would have prepared. He yeah, made, I made
2: Alfred's trash lasagna.
0: <laughs> Foggy's famous pile of worms. Oh <laughs> And that is it for our stack podcast. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to podcast on YouTube. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and follow at comic book live on Twitter, comic book club on YouTube, comic book club, live.com for this podcast and more until next time. We'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. Comic book club. Come on. Comic
2: book on. Yeah.